everyone. Welcome back to the Training Edge podcast. This week, I have Jackson Long joining me. Um, so Jackson is a friend of mine when he was here in Boulder, but now he lives in Idaho as a full-time ski coach and mountain bike coach for two different junior programs. Um, and we're going to dive into, um, at least I'm hoping to dive in quite a few questions about junior coaching. But um, so a little bit of background on him. Jackson holds a bachelor's degree in integrative physiology from the University of Colorado and a master's in applied nutrition um, with a postgraduate diploma in applied sport and exercise nutrition. Did I get that right, Jackson? Yep, yep, yep. Perfect. So All right. Far. Great. All right. Um, so Jackson is also the founder of In the Flow Nutrition, through which he provides endurance nutrition coaching and has his own podcast called In the Flow. Um, so Jackson, thank you. Thank you. Um, and welcome. And how is life? Happy Monday. Yeah, thanks for having me, Isaiah. I always love, uh, you know, being on on a, on the other side of the microphone, as I say. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's great. It's we, you know, just got a huge storm here in Idaho, so we've been skiing the last few days. Life is good. Nice. Uh, you know, it's this is the earliest I can remember skiing here in Sun Valley. So um, yeah, can't complain. Nice. Well, um, so I had I was curious when I was uh, like looking through your stuff that. How many like podcasts do you think you've been on, either through your own or through the Fast Cat podcast, or you know, how many do you think you're at? <laughs> yeah, well, because I started. Yeah, so I had. I mean, because in 2016, I started my first podcast with a friend of mine in Boulder right. when I was still in college, and that was called Thought for Food. We did close to 200 episodes, wow. I believe. Wow! And then we just you know, we kind of like the, that, that road ended and we decided to move on. And, and so we shut that down. Then I started in the flow during, I mean, so we started, you know, Frank and I started the podcast fast cat podcast during when I was doing thought for food. So yeah, I mean, total, probably close to, I'd say probably close to 300 episodes at least wow. if Dang. not more. So I've, yeah, I've spent far too much time <laughs> rambling into a microphone. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. How long did it take you guys to get to 200 episodes? Just out of curiosity. It was like, uh, I think we did three years pretty wow. consistently every week. Wow. Yeah, it Dang. was pretty wild. That's um, a lot of work. Yeah, it was a lot of work. And, you know, we were sort of, we, you know, I did it with a friend of mine who's a nurse. He had a couple kids and we just, it got to be just a little bit of, uh, of a stress. And we were just like, you know what, we're not, we don't want to force this. And, you know, but it was like one of those things where we were so consistent for so long that when we just sort of realized like, uh, we're going to just shift gears, you know? And so it's, mm -hmm. it's, but in the flow, I've taken a little bit of a different approach where I do it a little bit more relaxed style where I don't necessarily hold myself to a super specific schedule, but Cool. You know, I just, just to like, I just want to not force it. I think with thought for food, we tried to force it a little bit too much and then it became a little, like we burned out a little bit. Mm. Yeah. I could, I could see that. I've kind of, I think it's important to like let go or what I've learned at least. Um, is, it's important. I mean, that schedule can be important to hold yourself accountable, but at the same time you need to be able to like step back for a second. It helps with creativity a lot too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So today, um, much like the last couple of episodes that I've been doing, um, we're going to stick with the theme of the season and Jackson and I are going to do a round table and we're going to go back and forth asking each other questions. Um, and you know, just in general chat 
about how we coach and how we make our athletes better. And then these have been awesome because essentially it's just a huge platform to learn from. And hopefully all the listeners are able to grab snippets from it as well. Um, I've had a lot of my athletes tell me that they've just enjoyed um, hearing how I think and how I approach things um, because that's not always something that they get an insight into uh, just because I don't sit down for hours on end and (laughs) go through every single scenario with my athletes. So um, yeah, these have been just phenomenal uh, learning experience for me and I've um, really enjoyed them. So um, all right, Jackson, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I was right. I, my first question is just uh, a little bit of a warm up sort oh, of wow, okay. kind of left field random question, but uh, just because I I, lo- I love food and I'm always curious and I always like asking people this. But like, if okay, so let's say it's your last day on Earth, or oh. you're you've been abducted by you're about to get abducted by an alien or something, and you have to leave the earthly food kingdom behind. What would be your last meal? Any meal, any food, anything. Yeah, what would what would you like? The last possible meal or food that you could ever eat, mm. ever again. Great question. Um, this is like a, a guilty pleasure for sure, but I'm a sucker for cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm also just a sucker for like just any sort of carb cheese ratio. <laughs> so that could be <laughs> what like, is the optimal carb to cheese exa- ratio? <laughs> uh, I mean, probably for me, it's mac and cheese just because yeah. that's like that was my dream thing as a child. Um, so honestly, that would probably be it. It'd probably just be an obnoxious amount of those types of foods, um, especially if it's the last day on earth. I'm not really caring what I Right. feel like the next day um so yeah it's probably like mac and cheese pizza grilled cheese like all the different uh white and yellow <laughs> combinations <laughs> you can make um yeah i would probably say that's it probably that good. um maybe a, a good beer and i don't know a milkshake or something <laughs> you just go to town <laughs> that's a good question okay so all right what's what's that question back at you. What is yours? I want to. Yeah, uh, yeah yours is more sophisticated than mine. <laughs> no, no. I mean, mine would be like a fat burrito with like nice potatoes and beans and guacamole, and yeah. I mean, I would, I would probably, I would still definitely keep it, keep it vegan. Um, but it would be like tofu scramble burrito with potatoes and beans and. Um, and then definitely like a, a super dank double IPA with it at or, nice. or three. We'll see. You know. Oh, so you're into um, dank IPA. So very, yeah, like, yeah, very like a double, uh, like a very, very hoppy, intense, intense okay. high alcohol all right, content. All right. all right. Usually doesn't make me feel great the next yeah. day, but <laughs> they're so few and far between these days that it, it's, it's worth the, nice. it's worth the stomach ache. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Man, I've been okay. So uh, Jackson and I did a podcast a while back on um, basically just plant based fueling and, and um, eating and being a vegetarian and a vegan and um, just that whole realm um, within sport. And um, you can definitely check that out. It's a uh, it's one of the fast cat episodes. Um, but the I've been really struggling finding tempeh lately. We mm. have we have not been like all the grocery stores are out. So there's a shortage for, of it. It seems like it. Yeah, I haven't, I, you know, I've struggled with tempeh because I'm definitely more of a tofu guy. I hmm, just okay. don't, I've never found the perfect way to cook tempeh. So maybe you could enlighten me because I've tried like baking it. I've tried sauteing it. I just find that it's kind of bland. Mm, 
Yeah. Whereas tofu, I feel like soaks up it does. whatever yeah, the sure. marinade or, you know, you can, you can kind of, it's a little bit more versatile, but I've, I've been, tempeh is great. And it's like something that I've been wanting to, you know, kind of add into the ro- rotation a bit more. We definitely just saute it. Um, and then I think use it more as like a texture thing compared yeah. to a, a flavor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just kind of get it to the point where it's a little, uh, crispy, um, and then that tends to kind of satisfy that like crunch versus the tofu. That's more of like a, a little bit more rubbery or softer in yeah. nature. Um, but yeah, I guess like on the flavor front, I don't really fuss with that too much so I can understand where you're coming from on that one. Yeah. I'm but, sure there's some great, great recipes out oh, there. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Great warm up question. Um, <laughs> now I'm hungry again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, I guess I will dive into my first question. Um, so one of the things I really wanted to pick your brains on, as I mentioned, kind of in the intro was youth and how to coach youth. Um, so I guess to start, uh, can you give a little bit of background on the two youth programs that you teach or coach at right now? Yeah, so I had an opportunity to to move back here to Sun Valley, which is where I grew up. I was born and raised here in this little mountain town in Idaho, uh, ski town. And, you know, I grew up here and, and was obviously bike racing, road road racing, but I also in the winters, because the winters are harsh and you can't ride outside, uh, I, I joined the cross-country ski team. So, you know, cross-country, Nordic skiing, skate skiing, classic skiing. Um, this, we have a really, there's a, there's an amazing program here that is one of the top kind of junior programs in the country. It's called the Sun Valley Ski Education Foundation. And there's, there's snowboard, there's Alpine, there's freestyle. And and it's just a really incredible resource and, and kind of a fixture within the community here. And it just really formed a lot of my, uh, you know, it was really formative for me in my sporting career, just growing up on that team, the the head coach and program director um, when I was on the team, Rick Capala, uh, is just a, an amazing coach, amazing mentor, human, and he still is the program director now, and, and he's basically my boss now, and, and so it's pretty cool to come back and, and give back in that way, and, and so... Yeah, I'm, I'm an assistant coach for the comp team, which is the high school level uh, team for the for the cross country ski team. And then, so I I, I came back last uh, a little over a year ago, moved back here and and kind of started coaching. And then and I was part time last winter, and then now I've I've kind of been promoted up to full time this year. Cool. And then in i guess last spring i helped start a junior development mountain bike team called sun valley devo which is primarily a high school aged mountain bike squad um and it was obviously we started it we we basically started right before COVID hit so it was a little bit of a funky season but we we still pulled it off we still managed to do some some good training about 20 kids on there and uh you know so Basically, I'm kind of the head coach for that and also doing a lot of the management behind the scenes stuff. And then so that's, you know, mostly a spring and summer deal. But yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm still relatively new to coaching. I mean, this is only my second year, second full year of, of coaching. And so it's it's uh, basically a, a little bit of a baptism by fire where I'm just like thrown into the mix and like trying to figure it out as I go. Yeah, I mean it may only be like your second year doing it, but you're yeah full, like it's your full-time job. And, um, 
I don't deal with juniors full time and I don't deal with one program full time. And I think that that makes a huge difference, um, to be there like every single day. Um, so my, that gave me, that leads me to my question, which is, um, what do you think the biggest differences are with working with youth compared to adults? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I mean, I, you know, I don't have a lot of experience working with adult athletes in a coaching capacity, but I mean, just, I think even just the work that I've done with, with you guys at fast cat, with the podcast and, and, you know, I do do some nutrition consulting on the side with adults. And so it's, that, that is, is essentially coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think the biggest difference is that at least what I see with, with the, with the, with the athletes on the ski team and the bike team is, you know, they're, they're in a way they're juggling a, a very different, but still a lot of different balls in the air because they're in school and especially this year, you know, COVID and, and, you know, trying to have, have social experiences and, and there, there's such a range. I mean, even just at the high school level, right? Like the, you know, ninth through 12th graders, there's such a massive difference in development, in motivation, in, uh, you know, just experience and skill level in the sport. And so, you know, when we're talking about adult athletes, say, you know, if you're a, a bike racer and you're, you know, 35 or something and you're, you're wanting to get into it, it's like, there's, I feel like there's a, a kind of a universal level of, of desire to, you know, train and, and compete regardless of the level that you're at. But with, with kids, there's, there's such a, a huge spread even between a year of, of biological age. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, physical maturation, you know, puberty and at, and at the high school level, we have kids that, you know, like last year, for example, we had a kid that won a gold medal at world juniors who was on the team 17, 18. And then there's kids who are freshmen in high school that have never skied in their life yeah. and they're skiing together on, you know, at practice at training. And so it's, it's a pretty cool dynamic in that way because, it's it's a really rewarding experience to see the the sort of to see it click within an athlete at that age and i just there's i think the the big difference that i see is there's so much opportunity for for gains in experience and motivation like i said and and also just skill i mean cross country skiing is a super skill based sport very technique focused that's you know a huge percentage of the time that we spend every day on the snow or, or in the summer is on is on technique, and so that comes really quickly when you're a, a you know a, a moldable fifteen year old kid who is just athletic naturally but maybe has never skied, and I just I think that's a big difference because maybe at the adult level there's a a, a little bit less of that moldability in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And, and they're just also really, they're like sponges, these kids, you know, they just, they soak up everything you, that you, you tell them and they're really excited to be there. And, you know, so I, I think that's, that's maybe kind of what, what comes to mind. Hmm. So how, like if you have, um, so, a, you know, medalist at a world championship and somebody that's brand new to skiing at the same practice, how do you handle that? Like, how do you still make sure that both athletes benefit from that practice. Yeah. I mean, well, we're super fortunate that we have a really great program and that we have, you know, at any given practice, 
three to five coaches. Wow. And so, I mean, because we have a a team of 20 to 30 kids. Wow. um, Just in that, in that comp level, in the high school level, we also have the Devo team, which is elementary school and then the prep team, which is middle school. And so there's Hmm. just a ton of kids. And um, so, you know, I think when we're at a, a practice like that, we try to do, you know, kind of one of our, our sort of mantras is like, you know, the, to, you know, see, see each kid and, and have each kid feel like they are being seen and then kind of, uh, you know, Hmm. just given that individual attention, um, because, because it is a very individual sport and, and also because we're not at this age, we're also not trying to focus so much on performance and, uh, like we want it to be a fun environment. We want these kids to have cross-country skiing be the vehicle for, being a good human later in life. And I mean, that's the number one thing that, that I experienced when I was on the team. I just like, it just really has formed me into who I am today, not even separately from, from skiing. You know, I didn't ski race after high school. And so, but it's just like, it's so important to me, the sport and this program that I think that we try to, you know, if there is a kid who is brand new to skiing and there's a kid who's training for, you know, world championships or whatever, there's, I think uh, it, it's so important to give both of those kids the, at least try the same level of attention and care and empathy and support that, that you can. And by, and, and to do that, I think you just have to spend time talking to them. And, and, and what I'm finding with coaching is that, you know, you can focus on technique and train the training plan and, and all that as much as you want, but really what it, what, the secret sauce is, is the communication, is the connection. Yep. And that's what's so cool. And that's why I just feel so lucky to be doing what I'm doing because I get to show up every day and talk to these kids and crack jokes and laugh with them and talk yeah. about things not related to skiing at all. And that really builds that bond. And then there's there's a level of trust and a level of sort of vulnerability that I think really helps to create more of a of a positive culture and environment in the team that where these kids because cross-country skiing is a freaking hard sport it's one of the hardest sports that i can think of and because it's it's this blend of strength and endurance and technique and you're outside in the cold and it's freezing and you know and so when you're brand new to it for example or you're you know, a sophomore in high school and you're trying to figure it out, it's like we have to figure out a way to make them want to show up every day or you're not going to make progress. And I think in order to do that, you have to create a fun team environment where they're excited to show up and they're excited to to actually work hard. And, you know, for the kids that are training for world championships or, you know, winning races, like they already have a lot of the the maybe adult level athlete skills of the kind of intrinsic motivation and, and kind of desire to train and, and all those things. And so with them, it's more of just like helping to, as I'm sure you do hold them back when it needs to be so that they don't overdo it or, you know, little technique tweaks and things like that. But with, you know, some of the younger kids, it's, it's really figuring out specific workouts or, or games or things like that, that'll help them to, make better progress and, and stay focused and, and excited to train. Yeah. I mean, that, I honestly think that was one of the, 
the harder things I've had to experience with coaching like junior practices is just how do I make this fun? Because mm. you get so used to coaching adults where you're like, you need to do three by this effort, or you need to really focus on this type of form, or you really need to dial in this. And then you don't really have to worry about making a game of it. Um, but with juniors, you almost need to not tell them the three by and just make it into a game and then see, and then just out of that, they get their workout in. Um, and that just makes it, I think more fun and, and more intriguing. And then they also feel like, Oh man, I'm still pretty tired from doing, you know, seven repeats up this ski hill and then doing a log roll back down. Like it's, it's something, um, simple like that, but it's, it's also like when I first started doing that, it was a huge, uh, shift from standard coaching where I just didn't, I didn't really know what to do with it. So it was a huge, cool creativity thing, um, to pull from it. But I think a, a big juggle, um, I like what you mentioned about life lessons, um, cause I, I definitely think that is a huge empowering thing with youth programs. Um, because you, yeah, I mean, we'll get into, I have another question on, uh, keeping the sport within people's lives, but, um, how do you like, what I guess are you trying to do as far as life lessons? Like, do you have an example of that or how do you, and how do you help these kids with those lessons? Well, I think, you know, a really good overarching one is just the, you know, like, the sort of benefit of doing hard things for the sake of doing hard things, you know, yeah. you know, because like if, you know, if it was easy, it, it wouldn't really be as cool or fun or rewarding, you know, just like with any sport. And so with cross country skiing, we try to help them understand the benefit of showing up consistently, working hard, you know, going through hard moments, how do you, how do you kind of navigate these challenges that, that arise, whether it's in a training session or in a race or the weather is, is bad. Like, you know, all of these things that skiing in a way is like a vehicle for that. And so that'll hopefully these, you know, will aid these kids in, in their lives outside of and beyond skiing. Right. If, if you're used to showing up to practice every day and it's cold and you you don't really feel like being there, but you're, you know, you're tired, but you, but you still show up, you still get the training session done and then you feel better afterwards. You know, that's, that's a life skill that I think really transcends sport. And so being able to support kids through that is, is really important. I mean, another one that I'm really passionate about is of course, nutrition, and, you know, we can, we can definitely get into that, but like a big part of, of what I do with the team as well is, is, is some kind of foundational nutrition guidance and education, um, on kind of a, you know, a, a basic level, but also, you know, talking about performance nutrition as well, but just how sport is, of course, a lot you know, nutritionism is important, but also how nutrition in, you know, is important for for life. And, and I think just those kind of lifestyle habits start at a young age. And I also like to try to see these kids as little as, you know, adults and in a way, and because they're, they're all very mature. The, I think the Nordic kids are generally pretty nerdy and smart and like do well in school and, <laughs> and care and they're, you know, they're, they're driven. And so it's, it's been, I think really cool to see how to play around and see how, 
you know, these kinds of discussions around food and training and, and even just having conversations with kids about some of the more nerdy stuff about physiology and training theory and things like that and how they, they kind of, you can just tell the gears are turning. And I think that that just really makes a big difference because even just a little bit of exposure to that stuff will serve them well, whether or not they'll, they'll ski after high school or whether or not they'll even mm. be a competitive athlete after high school. But it just, it, it, it kind of melts into a lot of other areas of their lives. So how about that compared to working with adults? Like how far into nutrition do you go with these, with the kids? I, I try to keep it pretty basic because again, okay. you know, they have a lot going on. They're already thinking about a lot. They're already, you know, trying to just make it to practice on time, right, things like right. that. And with food, it's a, it's a balancing act because on the one hand, you know, the ice, I like to think of nutrition as this cake, right? And if you, uh, so many people like to f obsess about the, the sprinkles on top of the cake, you know, the supplements <laughs> yeah. and the fasted training <laughs> and the, you know, th these these little small tools that, that are beneficial, but only if you have the foundation and, and a lot of junior athletes haven't even properly learned how to bake, bake the cake yet, or like put the, put the recipe together and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And so what, what I try to do is make it fun and, you know, sort of approachable and, and practical to, to teach them how to start thinking about baking the cake. And so every week I send out, a little video. I make a little video every week, uh, called nutrition tips with JLo, which is my nice, my, my nickname <laughs> on the team. And I do, awesome. I make it funny and I try to like make it engaging. And it's just like little basics of like, okay, what is a carbohydrate? Why is it important? What are some good sources and what are some of the myths around it? And just try to, just try to like help teach in a way that is approachable and sustainable. And I also have to be really mindful about not a putting too much into their brain at, at one time and also B not making food this very overly performance driven piece of the puzzle. I mean, I, I talk about nutrition as really important for their performance and that they'll notice that they'll feel better, you know, showing up to practice, having eaten something all day. And, but I also don't want them to feel like it's this thing that they have to obsess over and start sliding down the slippery slope of, of, you know, getting a little bit disordered with it because there's a lot of influence from the media, from social media. And I think a lot of these kids are incredibly motivated and incredibly driven to succeed and, and make gains in their, in their performance. And then just like with, you know, training more, not taking rest days, things like that. Same thing can happen with food where they get, overly focused on it and overly focused on always eating super healthy or yeah. eliminating certain foods or restricting or you know whatever it might be and just like with many endurance sports there's a there's a culture and and sort of prevalence of disordered eating and eating disorders and so i try to ride the fine line between educating about the importance of nutrition for health and performance with health being first and recognizing that these kids are humans first and athletes second, right? And that you can't be a performing and healthy and, you know, good athlete without having a healthy, just human focused diet in general that's balanced and kind of 
checks all the boxes. And then, and then also being able to make it fun and enjoyable and so that they can still eat their favorite foods and, and not feel like they have to be so obsessive about it and, and make it complicated. It's just like, here are some ideas for recipes. But really, I mean, 99% of the time and conversations I have with the kids is like, hey, Jackson, I feel terrible today. Like, I just don't have any energy for intervals. And I'm like, well, what did you eat today? And they're like, well, I had a bowl of Cheerios for breakfast and nothing else. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that, you know? Yeah. And so it's, 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 it's kind of those small, low-hanging fruit. And, and I'm trying to be patient and see it as this big, long-term process because it takes time to change the culture and to change, you know, the, the habits of 16-year-old kids. But, you know, how to, how to just build that foundation, how to bake that cake is, is really important for um, just starting on the path for these kids. Yeah, I've, I think I've mentioned on past podcasts where I've actually had kids be like, oh, I feel really just lousy today. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, well, did you have any like snacks or did you eat lunch today? And they're like, oh, no. I'm like, well, <laughs> right. it's it's five o'clock now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's funny how they uh, how that doesn't it's not there. But I mean, it, it they haven't been taught that before. Right. Um, we take so, it for granted. Yeah, I mean, it's totally. like I'm, I'm immersed in this stuff all day, every right. day. And exactly. so it's like, it's just like, it blows my mind every time. I'm just like, well, what are you thinking, dude? Yeah. And like, you know, but at the same time, it's just not something that they're thinking about at a, even a fraction of the amount I think about it. And so it is about just reminding them. And I'm trying to think of creative ways to, reduce those barriers to entry and to, you know, eliminate obstacles for that. Um, and a big part of that too is engaging the parents as well. And I think having yeah, definitely, and having, you know, all of these different, uh, you, you know, sort of stakeholders in, in the team, whether it's staff and parents and the athletes themselves, there has to be buy-in, there has to be a trust in that process. And, and so I think it just takes time. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that leads me to like my, side of this at least with what i've noticed with working with youth compared to adults it's it's almost like there's uh it's refreshing because i feel like there's a level of almost i guess reckless abandon almost mm -hmm. where they'll dive into something without even thinking about it like i can say all right we'll go dive into this uh fountain uh concrete fountain off of kind of like a kind of techie little rock scree and they're like okay like just tell, maybe point out the line and I'll try it. I mean, what's the worst that happens? <laughs> um, but if you tell an adult to do that, they're going to be like, no, either show me that it can be done or show me how I can do it. And then I'll do steps of it. Um, but I could fall. And um, so there's, uh, that's always really interesting to me because it's, it's so amazing how quick they are to just try something and just go for it. And, um, and sure, like a lot of the kids I've been doing, working with have been doing it since they were like four. So they have a really high skill level and experience level for even for their age. But, um, regardless that there's no, there's just a level of separation between how much they question or analyze or, um, just maybe like process something first, they tend to just go for it instead. Um, and that's not all kids, but it's a, it's a majority of them. Um, at least the ones that I have. And I think, that has been so interesting, but also at the same time, 
that can be tough because at the same, like you might be like, okay, well, have you had any snacks today? Like, why didn't you, this has been a almost three hour ride. Why haven't you had a bar or something like that? Um, and you have to step back and be like, oh, that's just not something that, that is on their register right now. And, and same with uh, maybe efforts or um, how hard they go, like how deep they dig. Um, pretty much, you know, a lot of the juniors I have to work with on only going so deep to save a little bit. Um, and that's something that takes like a long time for them to figure out because um, it tends to be full gas from the gun. Um, even if you're telling them to ride really easy, they tend to be going to the point where they're like breathing really hard at the end. So it's, that's also been another very interesting thing to figure out. And, uh, and also just makes me realize like, okay, what are they processing here? What are they thinking about? What are they, um, diving into? Because, um, all of my kids are in Boulder and they are very intelligent and, I'm always blown away by that. But at the same time, it's like, all right, they're still kids. So there's things of this that come out in certain ways. And how do you, um, you almost have to like step back and say, all right, well, what are they thinking about here? Um, and that's been super fun, but also very challenging to sort and figure out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, something that has just been, yeah, important to, to just remember and recognize for me with that too, is just that, you know, they, it's like, I have to bring myself back to when I was that age and, and just remember like how, I mean, a lot of kids, I think just sort of, and I mean, I mean, I guess it also applies to adults too, because it's just the, the way that our culture is now. It's like, we want these results instantly. We want the, the instant gratification. We want to be at X level. We want to be, you know, and so there's, but there's, there's two sides of that coin because a lot of kids also, they're, they struggle with the motivation to want to perform. And, and I mean, this is something that I'm sure you've experienced too with, and a lot of us have experienced with COVID is how do we as coaches help guide these athletes and give them little carrots to continue wanting to show up to practice every day and to work hard and to dig deep in the efforts that they need to dig deep in. And when a lot of these kids are so motivated by racing and competing against each other and against other teams and athletes and, and just, I mean, I experienced this with the mountain bike team in the spring. It's like, we were, you know, we were gung ho, we were going to do a training camp and then COVID hit. And then like, they're like, Oh, well maybe nationals can still happen. And and then of course it didn't. And so then once nationals was canceled, a lot of the kids checked out and, and it's just like, they just fully checked out because they didn't have that shiny carrot out in the distance that they were super motivated for. And so I've seen, I, I think that for me has been another big difference between adult and junior athletes is that I think adult athletes have a little bit more of the maturity to sort of embrace the process of training and the sport for what it is and seeing the, seeing the, 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 the kind of just the, the practice as being the process as being, uh, just an end in and of itself. Whereas a lot of junior athletes, I think struggle to make sense of the end, you know, the means to an end where they're, they're wanting to train so hard. And the, the main reason why they want to train so hard is to be ready for 
X junior national qualifying race or to be ready for nationals or to try to make it to the, you know, European world championship selection team or whatever it might be. And as soon as that gets taken away, they, I think there's a lot of turmoil inside of, of questioning why they're doing it. Because I think the problem with a lot of, with junior sport, and this is a little bit more of a philosophical thing is just like the, the time flies by so quickly because, you know, for example, right now, like we, there's no junior nationals this year for, for Nordic and it sucks for the kids that are seniors in high school that are trying to ski in college or go to the next level because it's like, well, now what, you know, there's no way to prove myself. And so it's like, how do you stay motivated for that? Because there's only a, a, you know, when you're in that age group in that two year age bracket of 17, 18, or, you know, as in, in skiing, it's U18 or U16, you know, if one of those years gets canceled or you get sick at a key race or you get an injury, it's, it's, it's a little bit of, of like a, you know, a slap in the face because mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to, uh, there's just not enough time, I think. And, and so it's, it seems like the world for them, probably it's moving so fast beneath their feet and they don't with, whereas adults, it's like, we're, we're kind of just like in our own, we just are stuck in our ways because we have more time mm -hmm. and we can just sort of, there's, there's more time to, to sort of like even out that curve and smooth out the edges in a way. Yeah. I mean, cycling is the same way, especially with the, the age trending younger and younger is, mm -hmm. and, uh, especially within the top realm of the sport. I mean, it used to be like, okay, you need to be low level pro by the time you're 18 and then you need to be pro tour by the time you're um, 23 or right. 21. Um, but now you have people winning the tour at, at like sub 20 and it's like, it's, it's just ridiculous. So yeah, I mean like you lose, if you think about it in that way, if you lose one year that could technically mean like you not getting a career, um, which is, yeah, I mean that, that is, it is hard not to see, especially on the upper level of that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about this the other day and cause cycling is kind of odd in the fact that, um, I mean, mountain bike, like high school mountain bike is a little different and they're getting a little bit better on introducing stuff like that. But, um, especially with cross right now. So we're coaching cross and they, we have a pretty large team so they can have like sort of inner club competitions, but not really because of COVID. So it's, that one's tough. So then, but there's, if there's no local racing, they don't race. Like there's no competition at all. Um, outside of practice, which like, if you think about like, if you were a soccer player, if you're a basketball player or like baseball, whatever ball sport, or even just like track or cross country, um, it would be like, if you never had a like a game or you mm -hmm. never had a, a practice, like all you were doing was practice and you never had those weekend games. And looking back on my childhood of playing soccer, it, that would have been horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, I sure I liked practice, but you liked the games at the end of practice. And then you liked playing the games on the weekend. You didn't really enjoy the drills that much. Um, at least I didn't. Um, so that would be really hard. And when I thought about it that way, I was, I had a, a I don't know, I guess a change of respect for, uh, a lot of my juniors and, um, and it just makes it like gave me that much more inspiration to make sure it was fun for them and it wasn't just drills and intervals and stuff like that. Um, but it is hard. It was a tricky year, um, for everyone for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's in many ways, it's changing the fabric of sport in general and, yeah. and who knows how long that those effects will, 
you know, if not forever, but just for a long time. And so it's, it's been, I mean, we're, we're in the midst of it and we're kind yeah. of part of the, of the staff and the, the world of, of, of trying to rise to that occasion and figure it out. And so I think it's important to, to also just have some compassion for ourselves to be like, okay, well, we might not know all the answers and we might mess up, make mistakes and struggle to figure out the best way to approach things. But you know, all we can do, I think is just like show up every day with the, just the, you know, with, with kind of the empathy and the kindness and the, the excitement needed to, to, to help motivate these kids. If we show up and we're all down and dejected too, because we don't, we're like, Oh, there, there's no races. What are we going to do? And it's stressful. And like, that's gonna, I mean, these kids, like I said, are sponges and they are, I, I found that so, yeah, they pick it up. They're so receptive to like our moods and our, uh, vibes, you know, and like how, how much we, like how, how we show up every day too, I think really matters because if we're negative and, and kind of like frustrated and, and we exude that, then it's going to rub off on them. And so I just try to make things fun and, and not take everything so seriously and, and laugh and, and have opportunities for, you know, just having conversations about, things not necessarily related to skiing or, or bike racing and just like, you know, how can we, how can we keep this, keep this fresh and upbeat? Which in contrast to the original question is probably something that adults should be doing more of. Like how <laughs> many, how many, like Jeez. how many group rides have you been on where you're like, cool, I just spent four hours talking to five different people about what their season's looking like. And, right. and that's all, uh, it's what yeah, kind it, of garment are you getting for Christmas yeah, this year? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, dude, no, uh, we won't be like, yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, they, there needs to be a little bit of, uh, I mean, again, sport is about so much more than the sport of it, the sport yeah. itself. Yeah. I like that. Ooh, that was a good one. Um, all right, your turn. My turn. Okay. Next. Question. So, kind of similar, I think, to to that question. I mean, I, I figured we'd probably be spending a decent amount of time talking about junior athletics, yeah, but sure. Um, I mean, just in your experience, like, what are some of the the biggest barriers for achieving that success and performance in maybe not necessarily just juniors, but like U twenty threes or collegiate athletes? Like, what are what mm -hmm. do you see as as the biggest obstacles and barriers to actually you know taking that next step from say just uh, you know the kind of recreational athlete that you know their parents sign them up for a team to making it to that next level how do you how do you think about that yeah that's a tough one um i mean i guess we can dive into like my question a little bit uh, here as well um and essentially mine was the diving into uh, the lifelong mm. term of an athlete and what that means and how do you prevent an athlete from born, like burning out and um, in their progression. Um, Cause this is a tricky one. And then kind of with what I was just mentioning before is there's such an expectation of you need to be really good by the time you're 18. And with the progression of American cycling in particular. Um, so just focusing on cycling for a bit here, they, like there's such a, Oh, I need to be on like basically action yeah. by the time I'm 18, which is action is arguably the best development team in the world. So for an American to immediately think that is, is tough. And then you have, 
guys like Quinn and other just phenoms that are going straight to the world tour. And that then makes that an assumption or a like standard, um, which is totally skewed. Um, so it's tough and it's like, well, you can't have that expectation. Um, so then I think a lot of it is, uh, the mind. I think like physically, sure. There's a standard. Um, and you need to like, as somebody that if you're really wanting to go professional, if you're wanting to try, um, to have a career at it, uh, you need to have a, a kind of a step standard for just natural ability. Um, like you're probably going to be turning heads a little bit at the group ride as like, Oh, that dude's on junior gears and he's keeping up like that, that kind of thing. But it doesn't need to be this, like you are smashing everyone. Um, and you're 16. Um, I almost like, I, th- I was talking to Nate about this, um, on the other podcast where it's like, I was asking him how he sources talent or how he, um, tries to talent ID. And it's like, you almost want them to, um, have this like level of growth that they can still achieve physically. Um, so you know that you're, they're not just like basically a grown man at the time they're 14 um, <laughs> like and ca- yeah. And capped. Um, and I'm not saying he's capped, but like that's yeah. Um, but mentally they need to be eager and level headed and um, just like kind of not too antsy because if they are not able to flow with all the highs and lows of the sport, then they are not going to make it like every single athlete that I've seen so far. And there's exceptions, I guess, but most junior athletes and U 23s for that matter that are, um, like just crippled by setbacks or injuries or bad results. Um, and aren't able to find a way of handling those are they don't last very long. They usually get out of U 23s and unless they have just immediate success, they don't exist in the sport anymore. Um, which is a huge bummer. And then most of them end up hating the sport or mm-hmm. just like totally drifting away from it because to them, it wasn't about the process. It wasn't about the sport or the love of it. It was the, you can almost tell that it was more about the success or the status or whatever that might be. Um, so yeah, I think the mind is more important, um, than anything to, to keep that drive and keep that ability to grow and that perspective. And, um, I mean, I'm curious cause on the collegiate side, cause like the collegiate side is interesting. Cause then you're getting into the U 23 world, you're starting to see athletes that are multi multi-purposed. So they have another thing that they're doing with their life other than just living on their parents' couch and training all day when they're 20. Um, and then you start to see, okay, well, where are their priorities and are they like, are they still focused on cycling, but able to have a new perspective and have a balance, which is huge. Um, and sometimes you see those individuals go farther, which I think is such a cool thing, um, with that collegiate for, cycling provides but there yeah i mean i think that i'm probably just beating around the bush but the physical side is something that i think is important to an extent but as long as they're continuing to get stronger and better inch by inch but they are able to hold on to this level head of pursuit and just enjoyment then i think that that is like 
the key to being able to continue to rise. Um, and it might not, that might not be the way of finding the next tour winner, um, at this rate, cause they need to be there by like, you know, they're 23 ages. But, um, as far as finding somebody that will have a sustainable professional career, I think that that is huge, but that's, yeah, that's my experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that. I think it's, yeah, I mean, it, it totally, I, it's the, the mind is, is I think the rate limiting factor for a lot of athletes and, uh, you know, kind of like you bring up the action example and when the, when it doesn't work out exactly in the way that you sort of envision it in the perfect world, because I mean, again, action only has whatever 12 riders on it at any given time, the minute that you don't get selected for them, for that team, or if you're basing your decisions in training and performance and goals and objectives and all of that stuff on these external factors, then it's, you're at the mercy of those external factors. And so the, something that I try to beat into the heads of the young athletes that I coach is like controlling the controllables and the mind, you know, obviously I think talent is, is important, but I think it's a little overrated. And I think that a lot of athletes see whether it's the Quinn Simmons of the world or whoever, you know, phenom athlete, Tade Pogacar or whoever they see that. And they think that that is the pinnacle of, of talent and that like, Oh, well, since I'm that same age and I'm not there yet that I might as well just give up now because there's nothing I can do about that because that they just have the genes that, you know, are, are, are sort of, uh, you know, creating that, that level of success when in reality, you know, of course, Pogachar and all these guys, these young phenoms, Bernal or whatever, they're, they're extremely talented, but they're not winning the tour de France because of that talent They're It's in spite of it. It's because they're, they have a level head and they have the long-term vision and the support. And they, they probably control the controllables very well all of the different things, you know, the showing up to training every day, working hard, you know, having a, the equipment dialed. And, and so the mind is, I think the, the most important factor. And I think that it's still in a lot of sports, still a very neglected piece of the, you know, quote unquote performance toolkit. You know, I think so many athletes, especially younger, immature and not using immature in like a negative connotation, but just literally mm-hmm. not matured enough yet because they're, 16 17 18 years old the they haven't developed there's there's not there's so much emphasis on like just training harder and you know trying to get on some team and things like that whereas if they don't have the 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 mental support whether it's through you know a, a psychologist sports psychologist or just a you know a positive team environment that they're in where it's it is not so much about Uh, training and performance and that your identity and worth as an athlete is based on your results or your watts per kilo or whatever metric you're using there has to be a a level of development mentally as well as physically and if there's not then like you said there that's just a recipe for disaster because as soon as things don't go your way or you tear your acl or you break a collarbone or you don't get selected for world juniors or you don't make it to the national team, then those external decisions that are out of your control 
will completely derail you. And then your motivation is, is, is just in the, in the drain because you're like, well, how am I supposed to train? And if, if my entire worth as an athlete is based on that. And so it's tricky. And I think that, I mean, that's obviously like a big question of like, okay, well, is the development pipeline in a sport like cycling conducive for that? Or, you know, what is the culture like? And I mean, that's, these are existential questions that neither of us have the answer to, but (laughs) it's like, how do we, (laughs) I think it comes back to the individual program or the individual coach or just the, and, and, and how can we create a a team environment or, or culture within the sport or within the athletes that we coach to support them developmentally, both physically but also mentally and that's why i think it's i I just i really love the approach that our team has created at least you know at the nordic side and then what i'm trying to do with the the mountain bike side is like make it about more than cycling or about more than skiing and giving you know the athletes of course hard training and like helping them move towards the goals that they want to but also helping them see that actually you know to to steal a quote from Dr. Kristen Keim, who's an incredible sports psychologist. She is uh, Kate Courtney's sports psychologist. She was just on my podcast the other week. Uh, Happy racers go faster. And it's like, you have to have the, you have to be happy and positive and have a good relationship to your sport and to yourself and have the great support system around you in order to, to succeed. And I think if it doesn't matter how talented you are, like you said, eventually the rubber band is going to snap and it's something's got to give. So it's, it's, it's about the holistic approach, right. And, and, and kind of making sure that you have those controllable factors under control and at least the, you know, having at least the, the coaches or the parents or the staff or whatever or teams understanding that to help cultivate that kind of characteristic within, within younger mm-hmm. athletes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, but that brings me, so what about something that I've been working on, um, especially with the juniors that I write programs for, um, is the concept of when to dr- introduce a certain stimulus, mm. when to introduce a certain overload. If you think about it as, and I've been trying to tell my athletes this, because oftentimes with juniors, especially at that level where they're trying to really pursue being professional, um, you have to tell them like, all right, let's say you do 30 hour weeks when you're 18 because that's, you know, what Bernal and Pojakar are doing and, and, and that era is doing, but you can't exponentially increase that. Um, you can't just, you know, when you're 19, be doing 35 hour weeks when you're 20 doing 40, like you can't just keep doing that. Um, so it's like, how do you lay out, that placement of those loads and figure out when to, all right, this is the period where they're ready for this. This is the period where they're ready for this. Um, and that's a tough one. I I've like, I think that's always something any coach will struggle with and, and have to analyze. Um, cause it totally depends on the individual and how fast they, uh, progress. Like in my level one clinic for USAC, we did, uh, we had a really awesome coach, um, Kristen was on and she walked us through basically like a, they're, you know, within sport, 
what the life trajectory or different brackets of an athlete is. And it varies even on the youth side on how quick they hit puberty and how quick, like where their mind is at and like how far you can push them um, into true training versus just having like participation. Um, and it, it's tough. It's like, I don't know if I'll ever have a clear defined like regiment for each person to be able to handle certain things. But more and more I'm on the, in the mindset of kind of like less is more, Mm. um, with these kids and his, and accountability and, um, just repeatability is more important than like specificity or volume or anything like that. Cause it's almost more important for them to go out and just ride every day, even if it's just for 45 minutes and it's just in their backyard, then for what I see really often in juniors that are trying to be at this high level where they'll just do this massive training block because that's what they think is expected or it's what all the pros are doing. And then they are burnt out mentally because duh, they didn't, uh, progress correctly for that. They don't have a good foundation to benefit from that mentally almost more than physically. And then, uh, then they miss like two months of training cause they now hate their bike. Mm. So it's, it's such a push pull, um, on the motivation side. And, um, I'm just so intrigued by the up and coming generation of young guns that are just sweeping the world. Um, cause it's like, where do they go? And I think Nibali said the other day, like he, he expects their careers to be shorter. Hmm. Um, which I'm really intrigued by and I'm curious if he's right. Um, and he was like, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think they're going to have as long as careers as me. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But it, it is like, if you're winning the tour, how do you get better? Do you just keep, is that your standard now? Like you have to, I mean, it kind of is. So it's, it's tough. It's a tricky place. Right. Because you know, like what happens if, you know, what happens if Pogachar wins again next year, then it's like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, I mean, he could win a world championship. He could win the Giro, the Vuelta, the Olympics, like, but he's still so young that like you said, it's like, he's, he's just, he's burned so hot so quickly that there's a certain point where like, how do you maintain that high mm -hmm. plateau? And I think with junior athletes, again it's just it's like the, the they want to get the sprinkles and the cherry and the whipped cream on top of the cake before they've even fully built the cake and i mean you know bake the cake and and you know i think so i think like you said it's just how do we instill the confidence and trust in the process in these athletes uh with with regards to that foundation and the process where when there's there's so much kind of just external stimulus from social media from examples like pogachar or yep. you know there's a a really good norwegian cross-country skier who kind of like is dominating the sport right now and he's been dominating for a couple years and he's he's super young his, um, his name is johannes Klebo and he's like just winning tons of races winning olympic gold medals and overall world cup titles and he's like you know 20 or 21 and so it's it's hard when there's these examples of athletes and you have a kid who's maybe living in sun valley idaho or in boulder colorado who looks up to these athletes as these like idols or these gods that 
they want to be at that level or they like aspire to succeed in the sport at, at a high level, but they don't, they don't see the, they don't see the, the sort of like river between these two mm-hmm. points and they don't, they don't see the process that needs to happen. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, you know, only time will tell if those athletes will actually have a, a long and, and sort of fruitful career for yeah. decades to come. But I think the, again, it's, it's how, it's like, how do you, how do you create the environment for them to trust in that process? And I, I like to think of like a flow chart. It's like, okay, well, are you sleeping well? Are you eating well? Are you like taking sufficient rest? And, and with a lot, I mean, a lot of junior athletes, like with adult athletes, there's only so much time during the week to train. And especially for us with, with skiing, you know, they train after school and sure they get like free periods off at the end of the day so they can go training earlier. But we're also limited by daylight because it, we're, we live in a Northern climate here. Uh, it gets dark at like five thirty or six. And so we only have a couple hours of window of training window per day anyway. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we, we just kind of like have to fit it into a, a week and, and help them see that, that, like you said, more is not necessarily better. Um, skiing is a sport similar to, to cycling, but, but also very different in, in that it's, it, there is a lot of specificity that needs to happen because a, a lot of determinants of performance in skiing rely upon speed and power. And because there's, there's many different disciplines, there's, you know, distance races, which are anywhere from five to 30 K then there's sprint races, which are like super short anaerobic efforts. And so it's like, how do you, you have to be able to like train all of those different systems. And I think a lot of kids, and this is, you know, kind of like a question I have for you is like how to help guide these athletes to actually hold back because what I'm finding is a lot of athletes need, they're so motivated and so excited and they're, they have so much energy and they, they're like, they, they see, you know, Oh, you know, training at this intensity is probably is good. So training harder must be better or training more hours must be better, more volume, you know, whatever. But actually so many of these kids are, are, are skiing or, or cycling too hard when it's an easy day and then they're tired Mm -hmm. and, gassed out for the the hard efforts where it, it matters to be able to go into that into that deep cave and so i think it's it's i try to help educate especially the kids that are more curious about the actual physiology behind it of like why does it matter to go easy on easy days and, yeah. and why is less equal more actually and why you know why do we have to stay in in level one or zone one on, on this distance day versus you know actually wanting to bleed out of your eyeballs in this, you know, like <laughs> yeah. anaerobic session that we're going to do. And, and, and how do you, how do you balance those two things? And so how do you coach athletes, younger athletes, especially to actually hold back and not, because especially when we're training as a group, when there's a group of, you know, say 10 kids at the, you know, at the, at the trails, there's a big, even a, even amongst a group of 10 athletes, there's a huge spread in, in fitness and ability. And yep. so a lot of the younger kids like look up to these older kids and then they want to ski with them and stay with them. And they, even on a, on a super easy distance workout, that's maybe an hour, an hour and a half, they're pushing up into tempo or whatever, because they're trying to keep up 
and then they're just tired all the time and they're just never really developing that aerobic base. And so it's hard, I think, to, to balance that because it's, we want to keep it social and fun and, and have group dynamic, but we also don't yeah. want them to just be constantly like hammering all the time. Yeah, that's, that's really hard there. And that's, I totally agree with you. It's rare to find a, a youth athlete or a junior athlete or a U23 athlete really that, um, doesn't like vlog their yeah. recovery days and then like feel tired for the rest of the week and not know why. So it's, for me, it is a constant nagging just constant um and it's in like so many different forms it's like within the training plan you have to plug in notes that you wouldn't have to normally where you're like you need to be at 100 like 10 beats per minute for this whole session um just to kind of show them or it's me going on a ride with them and being like this is the pace you need to be doing so that your grandmother can pass you like just do it um and then they start to kind of get it um and then you can introduce stuff like maybe going doing pump tracks when you're out on these little rides or something like that. And, uh, and that helps too. So it's not just this regimented program, but it is a lot. It's like on feedback, it's in texting, it's in emails. It's just like juniors take a lot of work and that's, um, and it's not necessarily because you're writing this ridiculously fancy program. It's just the communication has to be high. It just does. Um, because there is that like, and then getting feedback is so hard from juniors. It's yeah. so hard. How do you feel? Good. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Like <laughs> how, 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 how did that effort go? It was okay. Right. It felt slow. And I'm like, what, what does slow mean? But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's just such a, a tricky, uh, piece, but yeah, it's just, I guess I just try and try and keep up the communication so that they're continuing to get this level of feedback um and then this might and i hit this i don't want this to sound harsh but this might be where when i kind of mentioned that the importance of the mind mm. comes into play because at a certain point if they're not able to kind of like figure it out or conceptualize why they need to do a certain thing or hold back just a little bit, um, then they aren't going to get it. And that's just, that that's just kind of how it goes. But it, I mean, there also is a level of like, well, maybe you haven't been able to communicate that to them correctly, or maybe it's on you. Um, because at a certain point, even, you know, with any athlete and with juniors too, you have to be able to say like, I am not the right coach for you. Cause I can't get, I'm not connecting with you. Um, and that's fine. Um, and then hopefully for them, there's another outlet or another coach they can go talk to either within the program or, um, you know, whatever that might be. But like, for example, with the junior program that I coach with BJC, um, they rotate coaches pretty regularly. And as they're going up through the ages, they have different coaches. It's kind of like with soccer, but, um, and other sports, but like that gives you the chance to connect with other coaches and get other messages from other coaches. And then, um, with a good program, I think they have this resounding, uh, voice that they, and, and message that they want to give across. And then, so that'll continue to drive home the right message compared to juggling from a coach to a coach where they're all of a sudden they're like, Oh, you need to be intense. Oh, you don't that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think at a certain point, like the athletes ability to understand the process does become really important. 
and some don't get that they just don't get there um but or it just takes time and it or it takes them like literally actually burning out for a little bit and yeah. like yeah there's that too making a mistake and just like yeah. having a a crap season or overtraining a little bit or you know it's like i think there has sometimes the the those mistakes or those uh you know just kind of shitty times like you know that those can those can be the best teachers true yeah it doesn't it doesn't necessarily always need to be Rainbows i guess the coach yeah and or yeah that too like it maybe it's the athlete that steps away and is like do i like this yeah uh, is this is fun to me and then realize that they miss it or maybe they don't and that, that was another one of my questions actually for you was this and i've been thinking about this a little bit lately where um the lifelong process of an athlete so cycling is is seen as this cool thing because it can be a lifelong sport and i'm pretty sure nordic skiing is the same way um it's fairly low impact it's something that you can do your entire life which is great um on different capacities it could be you're just going out and doing it for fun or you're doing it as at a competition level um but like if you look at other sports though that's pretty rare mm. that really doesn't happen like tennis sure golf yeah um like other different sports like that but like ball sports that's super rare like a really even to play in college is pretty rare and then to continue playing for the rest of your life i don't know that many people there's like a few rec leagues that i know that people dive into yeah. but like that whole process is pretty just not seen so that's just been interesting that that is something that we take into account um so and this is a this is like kind of just a vague not super targeted question but it's just something i've been thinking about where we think about or at least i do and i think like a lot of people do where they're like all right well i'm having this junior do this and we're doing this season and then so on and so on um does it like am i trying to make sure that they're doing this for the rest of their life should that be a factor um or is it just that like they'll kind of i want them to get to progress in order to get them there we need to do this um and then are they yeah like basically do i need to worry too much about life beyond um their youth of sport mm. um and i have my own opinions of this but i'm just curious like if you've thought about that and kind of like where you're you stand and if that question makes sense <laughs> yeah for sure no i mean it's, i think about it all the time actually i i, I think it's a gr important question that every coach in my opinion should be thinking about a lot because I think it's so easy and I see a lot of other coaches and not, and not saying that like I know anything at all about coaching because I'm like still a complete noob at it but it's like I see a lot of coaches get so caught up in the minutia of the the specific training program or like periodized you know seasons and periodized training blocks and you know mm -hmm. all of the like fun nerdy fancy stuff that is really important of course and it it's it's part of the whole big picture but in doing that sometimes it can cause a little bit of neglect of of this question of right of of mm -hmm. what are what is what is like what how we can we zoom out and what do we need to do to look i mean i my favorite kind of mantra, my, one of my main mottos is seeing the forest for the trees. And I, I think that that is important, whether we're talking about coaching and sport or nutrition or, 
life like we have we, we it's easy i think is for the human brain to want to go into the like the zoom in so closely on everything mm-hmm. and like we want the results now and like what fancy new watch can i get that will enhance my performance or like what is my hrv and like you know all of these things that that have a place but that i think distract from the bigger picture and so for me especially this year with covid i've been trying to instill within the athletes that i talk with of just like how lucky we are that we can do this and that we can be outside and that we can you know here in sun valley we're insanely lucky that we have uh world-class you know hundreds of k's of of ski and bike trails that are just amazing and it's not that crowded and like you know it's just a beautiful area and and that we can actually just and how cool it is and how lucky like and, and amazing it is that we we can do this and that our bodies are capable of of pedaling a bike up this mountain or you know going and skiing for for three hours and just like the the beautiful flow that you get when you're you know skate skiing on perfect corduroy you know down the track and all these things and i know it's like i think a a lot of the kids like make fun of me for talking about that because they're like oh come on jackson like stop being so weird and nerdy like whatever but i think that it's 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 important to have that perspective even at that age because to me developing that love of sport whether it's cycling or skiing or golf or whatever is in my opinion, part and parcel with performance. Because if you are just doing the sport because you are just good at it and you know how to like do the training and go through the motions of reaching the peak performance so that you can win a race, but you don't actually love it, then that's a slippery slope. And that only will last so long. Eventually you're going to have to find an outlet somewhere else for totally, you know, whether it's you know, drinking or whether it's other things, you know, or, or it's just talking about the mental side, it just becomes too much of a burden to be forcing yourself, you know, your, your round peg into the square hole kind of thing. And so I try to help athletes see that perspective and it's hard. And because, you know, a lot of kids don't resonate or a lot of athletes don't resonate with that message of, you know, the kind of like philosophical idea of sport as this, you know, amazing vehicle for personal development and growth and, you know, mindfulness and all this like woo woo stuff. But I think it's <laughs> important to have it, figure out how to communicate that in a way that that does connect with them. And so I try to do cool adventure rides where we're going on trails that kids have never done before, where we're just out there all day and we bring a bunch of snacks and we're just cruising around exploring plenty of hike a bike you know it's hard it's like weird you know there's puddles we're wading through rivers and and just like having fun out there or you know and and so i think that adults can also really benefit from doing stuff like that and i mean you know frank talks and you talk about soul rides right where it's like you're just going out for the sake of going out for a ride for Mm -hmm. a long ass time don't have a plan Maybe you don't even bring your, you know, your Garmin or Wahoo or whatever. You're just going out and you're just like being outside, connecting with nature. And I think there's a, there's a, a a means and there's an end in that means that is separate from performance. It's separate from training adaptation. It's separate from, you know, getting ready for X race. It's, it's about 
cultivating that love of the sport that you're doing and and connecting with it on a little bit of a deeper level to the point where it helps solidify that that base that foundation of the cake right because i think i mean I, just because i've noticed this in myself as an athlete over the years and going through different levels of the of sport of 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 cycling and skiing and just having to recognize that i mean i i basically stopped bike racing because i was getting to the point of just not loving cycling anymore and like where i just it felt like i was just smacking my head against the wall every day to go training because i was just so obsessed with results and like so much of my identity was wrapped up in my performance and so i had to step away because i was like you know what i'm not doing this for the right reasons and and so i think figuring out how to help athletes see that perspective of like what what is the 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 kind of underlying why behind what you're doing is it because all of your friends do it and so it's like a fun social thing or is it because you really are motivated by racing and if so how can we help guide you through that lens so that it's not so you know outcomes based and and i think just having a fun team environment at a young age especially if you're starting sport as a youth like really helps to solidify that lifelong love of the sport because because they are so moldable thanks again everyone for tuning in i hope you enjoyed this conversation we will be splitting these up into two parts um so find us on instagram at training edge pod um and of course you know let me know if you have any coaches that you want me to invite on if you have any topics that you feel we are uh not touching on um so yeah jackson where can they find you at um yeah where can they find you yeah well i mean thanks again that was super fun i love that format so yeah for sure uh, appreciate the 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 thought-provoking questions um yeah i have my own podcast it's called in the flow um, I also have uh, in the flow nutrition.com and I do some kind of like bespoke nutrition consulting services. Um, but yeah, you can, I'm on Instagram at in the flow nutrition. Um, and yeah, you can find me skiing in the backcountry this winter and yeah. s- s- skiing around on the, on the skinny skis uphill as well. So nice. Um, nice. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. All right. Thank you again. Um, yeah. I guess to everyone out there, enjoy it. Um, We are recording this now the week before Thanksgiving, but it will be out probably in a couple weeks. So um, I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving and a wonderful, wonderful week. But until next episode, everyone, um, keep pushing yourself and keep finding your edge.